0: This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this
1: episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and something's different, right? Huh? Maybe some of those of you that have been listening to the show were getting a little uh, tired of that that theme music. But no, I change it up because I figured it's episode 100. Let's just do something. I've asked for some suggestions. I got uh, I don't know, it was about like 20 or 30 songs people kind of sent my way and suggested stuff and whatever. And I landed on "Refused," "Rather Be Dead." I just I mean, the song's great. It gets you in the right state of mind to just be pumped. Like, yeah, man, this is exciting. I can't wait to listen to this interview with this person. So yeah, I changed the music. So shout out to Balance of Composure. Thank you for letting me use your song. And uh, yeah, Refused, here we are. This is what it'll be for the foreseeable future. Anyways, the guest this week is Jordan Dreyer from La Dispute. He is the vocalist for the much-beloved band... I personally love them. They just came out with a new record called Rooms of the House, and whew, it's it's a doozy, man. It is a really good record. Definitely just progressing on everything they have done, and just, ah, I don't know, it's really, really good. But you should check it out. Anyways, let's get some business out of the way. I'm going to make a big deal out of episode 104. Just pay attention to that. It will be an awesome guest, and I'm announcing something pretty cool I'm very excited about. So. We, we will we'll lead up to that. It's a lot of teasing over the next few weeks. Anyways, com. Visit them. They got some fun stuff, as always, on the site. Become educated. 100wordspodcast.com. Go on iTunes. Review the show. Drop some stars. Write some sentences about it. I still check that very regularly. And I love to see that sort of feedback. It makes the show look cooler to advertisers and everything else in between. And email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to talk, because I like to talk, obviously. That's why I'm doing a podcast. (laughs) Anyways, some stuff, some other stuff. College basketball, March Madness, that's happening right now. I love this time of the year. It's so much fun for me. I care about two sports, basketball and golf. Sorry for those of you that like football, hockey, baseball, I don't dislike those sports and they are fun to watch in a live environment, but basketball and golf, that's what I follow. And so this year's there ama- or this time of the year is amazing because it's got college basketball, followed up by the Masters, which is golf, for those of you that don't pay attention at all, which is most of America. Then it's followed up by the NBA playoffs. Oh, it's so much fun. So it's like I get to enjoy about, you know, two and a half months of just like awesome tension in regards to sports, and then the rest of the year I'm kind of like, oh, well, whatever. Anyways, I've been noticing, and this is something that is not new within the independent music scene and culture, so to speak, but um, the sentiment that is shared when, you know, bands get up on stage and they play and they say, fuck security, they're the worst people ever, whatever, some sentiment in regards to security is the worst thing of all time. Now, this is going to sound like a very parent like rant, but I personally have always adhered to this philosophy even since I was like, you know, 17, 18 years old. Now, to be fair, I'm going to put a caveat on this. I completely agree with the alpha male tendencies of some security guards that are located in clubs because, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of, like, it's a job to them. And so when they see someone quote unquote acting out, they're going to do their thing and whatever. It, it It's awful when those boundaries get crossed and they just feel like they need to, I don't know, take out their frustrations on a poor kid that's stage diving or crowd surfing or whatever. Clearly, there's a line that is drawn, and I'm not speaking to that line. I am speaking to the overall sentiment that just, to me, it's an ignorant statement. Like, fuck security. When, realistically, a band is playing... At a venue. Like I'm not talking about a VFW hall. I'm not talking about a basement show. Clearly security is not needed for that. Or clearly most all ages, almost small all ages venues around the country don't have security as far as like stopping kids stage diving and stuff like that. But there's that mentality of just like you immediately rally against that. When in actuality, that is the reason that the club or the venue is. In business is because they have security. It's mandated. It's not something that people are like, oh, wow, that's great. We need to have 40 security guards here. Like I'm speaking from personal experience. In the few years that I booked the Sound and Fury Music Festival up in Santa Barbara, we always had to have security. We, not only did we have uniform security, but we had police officers. We had unmarked security officers, like people who were policing the grounds for us. And it, it's one of those things where it was, that is literally the most expensive thing it took from us for the festival to put on. It's so much money. And that mentality of just like, oh, fuck those guys, like they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, stop our phone, they're trying to, that usually isn't the case. And I just, I hate that sort of knee-jerk reaction where it's like, oh, I see security guard, I don't trust them. I Like I said, I do understand the security guards that cross over the line and people get a negative impression based off those experiences. I totally get that. I understand and I agree. I just don't, I think it's a blanket statement it's and blanket statements are just so frustrating to me because there's so many nuances around it. And so when bands go on stage and they're like fuck security kill them or something like that, it just it's a bummer. It's a big bummer. And I understand it provokes an immediate reaction the crowds like, yeah, this is great and whatever. And if if your goal is to provoke that reaction, then so be it. I, that's your art. I am not going to step in the way of that, but when it gets in the way of people actually respecting those who are actually just doing a job. They're just there. They're hired. It's like they don't care if you're, you know, doing something stupid on stage, if you're, you know, spitting or whatever. they don't care most of the time. The good security guards are, I'll put it that way. So, anyways, it's just something I've noticed recently and not even so much like by specific events, but just, you know, videos I've seen of bands playing on festivals or whatever, and not even talking about like South by Southwest or anything big like that, just smaller festivals and I'm just like Oh, that's your immediate reaction? Like, fuck security? Like, break down the barriers? It's like, okay, whatever. And I realize I may be viewing a video out of context because there may have been certain incidents that day. Anyways, I'm going on and on. I apologize. But it just it, it bothers me. And I, if you feel bothered by that as well, talk to me. So Jordan from Law Dispute. I mean, it was a few weeks before they released their new record, like I said, Rooms of the House. I've only spoken to him a few times in person And it was one of those things where we just settled in immediately to a very, very comfortable place where he expressed himself in ways that um, I honestly wasn't anticipating. I was expecting him not to be cagey, but just to be protective in some capacities Um, because you know he himself is a private man as far as social networking is concerned. He doesn't put himself out there. I mean the band in general doesn't put themselves out there. And so I just – I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how much he would want to reveal or talk about or anything like that. But – Let me tell you, he expressed a lot and it was awesome. It was a very genuine conversation and I was really glad that he decided to do all this stuff with me because it makes the 100th episode very special. So here we go. Here's my interview with Jordan and I will talk to you after the show. wind tunnel you're sorry you're a little windy
1: uh, i'm outdoors in the state of michigan in the middle of uh, early february so i'm sort of in a wind tunnel i'll try to avoid it i'll try to burrow myself up against this giant snowbank in the parking lot where
0: <laughs> it's okay i was just curious um so the
2: hearing
0: hearing it guys its first full length like not vancouver because i'm sure that's you guys don't even refer to that as a release, probably.
2: <laughs> no, I mean,
1: it's, it's a thing. It's a, it's a snapshot of an earlier time. Right,
2: right, right, right. Yeah. It's, yeah it's not, it's,
0: you know,
1: typically, we say somewhere is the first LP, yeah.
0: Right, exactly. Um, so I remember hearing it, uh, it. It was introduced to me via a friend of mine, and he was like, oh, you know, this, this band I saw, because I think it was one of the first times you guys came to California. I didn't see you guys, but my friend did. And uh, I listened to it, and my immediate sort of uh old guy jaded reaction was like oh this is a band that's kind of trying to rip off uh, me without you oh i see what they're going for <laughs> and so and so that anyways my but then i progressed to be like oh no there's 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 more nuance to this there's you know there's there's layers to it um and any band that immediately not you know doesn't try to sound like um you know what's happening currently in a musical landscape is always interesting um sure. But then, uh, but yeah, but the, and so then, as I got to know the band more and more, I was like, okay, this is you know, this is a force to be reckoned with. But did you did you guys feel those trappings when you first started to get out there of people being like, oh, like immediately writing you off just because of um, you know either the, the, like any preconceived notions or uh, from from that capacity, or did you guys just like, well, yeah. we're just kind of trying to prove ourselves?
1: Um, you know, early on there was a. I guess a fair, fair bit of that, um, as much as we try to not take that into consideration too much. Um, but, um, I think it's fairly impossible to avoid given the vocal approach, um, which was never intentional on my part. It was more so, uh, an accident. I have, Little, I have uh, no recognizable musical talent, at least in regards to playing an instrument or actually carrying a tune. So right. um, when we first started writing music, it was what happened when I walked and in, spoke into the microphone for the first time in my life, really. Um, but yeah, I think just just having that kind of like spoken word vocal approach draws immediate comparisons to, to other acts. Whereas right. like a guitar style probably doesn't as much immediately draw you to uh, comparisons. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that we've ever, oh, clearly we've never, um, never tried to sound like anything. And it was most frustrating, frustrating for me early on because I thought it, I felt very dismissive and, and unfair in particular to my bandmates because I don't think musically we sound like any of the acts that we generally get compared to. It's just more of a local comparison. So yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely there. And there's, there's always, you know, there's, there's always preconceived perceptions that people carry about anything and everything, particularly when it's so easy to form and, and publicize an opinion or the internet. So it's pretty easy to ignore if you're, passionate about what you do and you care deeply about it so it it was there and i think it's still probably there but i think we all just um focused on what we do because we love to do it
0: yeah yeah, just keep, keep, keep your head down yeah exactly yeah yeah um do you uh so you yourself were you born and raised in the grand rapids michigan area or where did you come up
1: I'm born, born and raised here. Yeah, so this wow. is this is home sweet home, and has been since the, the day I came out of my dear mother's womb.
0: <laughs> wow, that's uh. So I presume that your, uh, you know, the profession that your family has was rooted to the location, or was it just like, no, we just we we like where we're at.
1: You know, it's. Uh, I, I think it's mostly just well, we have my parents run a small business with actually our our drummer Brad is my cousin, so his. His mom and dad, and my mom and mom and dad own a, like a local hardware store, um, and our grandparents owned it before. So we've always kind of been in West Michigan. We're both very uh, Dutch, and Grand Rapids is a, a Dutch stronghold. So right, um, we're just kind of always, always been here, and happy, happy to still be here. I love it
0: it's funny because that the way that you're describing that it sounds like such a relic from the past of like uh, a fit well yeah we own a family small business and you know obviously everybody immediately assumes that um oh it's like you know either you know doing something online or uh, something from that perspective but Uh, you know passing it down from sort of generation to generation sounds awesome
1: yeah it's it's great fantastic it's uh i've been very privileged i think to grow up where i've grown up and the family that I have and even being a part of a, a local small business has, I think, had a pretty profound impact on my worldview. And it makes, I, I feel like when I'm talking about, I'm from the Midwest and I'm talking to somebody on the coast, it makes me sound like I live in be gone. but yeah. it's not not, it's not so much a, the small slow in Western life, but it's definitely not living in a massive metropolitan area. So, get yeah. the like whipping snow and the wind tunnel.
0: Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. The the way that I always used to describe it and I don't uh, you know, I I don't mean this as a derogative statement, but just like it's very charming because like my 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 stepfather, he was raised in a small town called Farmington, Illinois, which is like, I don't know about. Yeah, it's about our south of Peoria. And so I visited there a lot. And having that experience of like living in Southern California and then going to visit a small town and spending you know weeks at a time out there. I loved it because it gave me that whole experience of being like, not looking at this being like, oh, look at these, you know, backwoods people who live with like, you know, 4,000 other people in this small ass town. How boring. It's like, no, it was, it was fun. It was just different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The the word that always gets thrown. I mean, charming is one, but quaint and the like, but no, definitely it's, uh, every every region in the country has its own distinct characteristics in regards to not just you know the weather and the geography, but the the people who live here. Um, and yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different. It's definitely at times you know like still a bit stifled and passive aggressive. But we uh, yeah. yeah. live in like kind of a cool pocket where you get the best of both worlds, where there's kind of that like traditional value structure where it's not oppressive people are very open-minded and there's a, a massive you know, artistic community here so it's really it's i love i love the midwest i love having grown up here obviously i love being on a coaster being down south i love experiencing the differences everywhere you go but i definitely value the way in which i was raised and, and the people that i know here
0: yeah it's it's, it's home for you
1: it's perfect yeah, absolutely yeah for sure so be,
0: because uh, because of the hardware store connection are you are you yourself handy in any capacity
1: you know, I I like to think that I'm probably more handy than I am. Uh-huh. Um, I, I know how to. I probably know. I probably have like a fair amount of practical knowledge that a lot of people don't grow up with. But uh, it's hard for me to not compare myself to my family because right. I have I have two two older brothers who uh, are very talented carpenters and a younger brother who uh, went to luthier school for woodworking and to build guitars. Um, and my dad is. A jack of all trades. Uh, growing up in a hardware store, I've picked up a fair amount of know-how when it comes to fixing things around the house and the like. But not nearly as much as as, uh, as my siblings, who are particularly adept. I uh, have, I, I like to think, other other strengths. Although so sometimes I <laughs> wish that I could build a roof truss.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, you're like, comparatively speaking, I'm worthless. But comparativ- yeah, comparatively, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the world, I'm probably doing okay. <laughs>
1: Right. Well, that's a thing that, that's another, another thing that I'm very, I'm very fortunate about having grown up in the family that I did and, and being a part of, uh, you know, about building community is that I have, you know, it's, it's knowledge that I think it's, it's an afterthought to a lot of people and it's, it's kind of glossed over, but it's an important thing to have people who know how to work with their hands and, and, and build things. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, I don't know. It's a, I, I consistently want to get better at it. And it's something that I, in my downtime now that we're not touring as much, I focused more on because I think there's tremendous value in being able to craft something with your hands. You know, it's just like, just building a house is just like writing a song. It's just yep. a craft and it's an art form and it takes practice and, and um, just being able to to have a finished end product that is, Artistic and functional is is uh, very gratifying. So I'm constantly trying to trying to glean more from uh, the company that I have right. and the family that I have grew up in.
0: So you're uh, so I, I presume both your mother and father like work at the hardware store, and basically that's where kind of all the resources are are put in.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, my mom uh, actually it's, it's an interesting hardware store too because it's in uh, a lower income neighborhood um, mm-hmm. that is. Uh, predominantly minority Mm -hmm. and there's really two sides of the store there's well there's three sides there's there's general hardware and then there's like uh, the service department like the shop in the back which is where i like to spend most of my time when i when i'm working there and then there's finished hardware which is all decorative hardware for like all these you know million dollar homes that are built around so it's a really interesting demographic where you get like the people who are, you know, 70 and still doing handyman repairs around the house to pay their rent, and then there's like the rich, stuffy, old white women who come in to drop, you know, 300 grand on cabinet hardware. So it's a really interesting uh, demographic, and that's been the coolest part about growing up there for me is being able to like uh, see the diversity in every specific demographic, where you can't really draw a line anyway. Where some of the coolest people are the people who've worked with their hands for 60 years and still have to struggle against me and then there's people who are fabulously well-to-do however very polite and enriched people so it's right it's really it's, it's an it's an interesting little microcosm of the world
2: yeah the
0: it, it's a, it's a total cross-section that's interesting um yeah, yeah i mean because yeah, totally. yeah it's 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 very symbolic like you said it's very you know it's a it's a good cross-reference and it's very symbolic of obviously what you experience in in the quote-unquote real world as well um oh yeah oh absolutely So you, so you were, so you're the, the third of four children in the family?
1: Uh, I am, well, I'm, I'm, I have, uh, two, I have an older brother who is from my dad's previous marriage, who I'd never call him a half-brother, um, who is, uh, uh, quite a bit older than me, and I have an older sister who is, who is married and has three lovely children, and then I have an older brother and a younger brother, so I'm, I'm third of four with the people that I grew up living with. Sure. uh, But I'm... worth of five
0: if you include my eldest brother which i do which you do yeah yeah <clears throat> and so you're it's your and your parents are still together currently Yep.
2: yeah
0: and so it's your dad's second marriage and it's your mom's first correct yep nice nice well it's it sounds like a, a pretty awesome structure considering you know obviously you're introducing like sibling like you know a sibling that wasn't part of the original nucleus and you know everybody seems mm-hmm. obviously so, so you had you had a pretty uh, pretty solid childhood is that as far as that's concerned
2: yeah
1: absolutely i, I had a great childhood uh, um so it's been i've been very lucky my parents are, are great and i get along well with all my siblings obviously everyone has you know bumps in the road and everything and everyone you know it takes a little while to figure out uh how to how to always function with right. family members but right. but we're definitely you know the older we get the better off i think we all are in our and the way we interact and the way that we uh, you know, place importance on each other, and everyone having a role in everyone else's life. So it's it's a great dynamic.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's. It, I always find <clears throat> I always find when you hear stories like that, um, you know, to be. I mean, it's encouraging. Where you're just like, that's how, That's how it's kind of supposed to be. You know, like of course, yeah. you know There's a saying that obviously you don't choose your family, but you know, at the end of the day you are related to these people and you need to find those common bonds and sometimes they come, they come later in life, like you're talking about. And then you're just like, Oh, these people are awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no, there's no, I mean, there's no like perfect formula at all. Everybody grows up differently and in different situations and there's good and bad in each, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Definitely like growing up and, and understanding that these people are your family and, and, finding you know it's easy to get caught up in little tiffs when it's blood related but uh you get to a point where you realize that the important thing is that you love these people and you value their place in your life
0: right 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 yeah rather than like holding these you know 10 to 15 year grudges that will just you know eat eat both both parties up
1: totally absolutely
0: and so so as you as you were you know your formative years started to happen like junior high junior high and high school um, did you know, what kind of kid did you find yourself? Because obviously from this sort of what we were alluding to earlier in regards to, you know, preconceived notions, you strike me as obviously a very uh, sensitive, artistic guy. <laughs> would, would, <laughs> would would that be the, the label that you would put yourself on uh, as far as, like, I, you know, yeah. high school and stuff is concerned?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's hard to look back at, like – uh, seventh
2: grade me but i, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I've, always,
1: I've, always, I've always i've always been fairly malleable and i've always got along with different people and i think part of it's i've always had uh, no like strong vested interest in only one thing but i've always liked a lot of different things so it's made it easy to get along with people uh-huh. um whether that be like you know loving sports but then also loving punk rock or whatever else so but i've always been more of a I guess a creative type mm-hmm. always and, and enjoyed writing and enjoyed music and, and art as a whole so and I've always been a little sensitive I guess
0: <laughs> when did uh when did uh music start to play a part of your life like was uh did your parents grow up with anything and start to expose you or was it older siblings
1: uh well I mean going as far back as I can my dad's record collection, and my dad plays guitar and sings. Uh, so I've always, I grew up, you know, listening to him playing Neil Young and, and Bob Dylan, and I've, you know, mm-hmm. always Ben Dekker was always the kid who ravaged his record collection and made him really nervous about how I was treating his old vinyl.
0: That makes me nervous just hearing about it too, because yeah. just, oh yeah, I, <laughs> my 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 two and a half year old, I, I've taught him how to play. Yeah. I, I've taught him how to play <laughs> records, but he can only do that when Daddy's around. <laughs>
1: Okay. Yeah. Exactly. No, that was that uh, was definitely my dad. Was like a weird. Uh, push pull for him, where I think he really loved that I was getting into the music that he loved, and like finding something, in like you know, Young and Jackson Brown. But also, he was constantly on edge about me, you know, dog earring his, <laughs> his and and scratching him if I put him on incorrectly. So it's, it was a, it was an interesting push pull on my father's face when I when he'd come home and I was digging through all his records. But I think now. He's, he's pleased that I did so
0: <clears throat> so then when did, when did you start to develop your own tastes as far as, uh, as far as that stuff's concerned
1: I guess 13 or 14 is when I first I think got into the uh, artists that had a profound personal impact on who I am and, and where I was headed and that was a lot of from uh, I spent a lot from a good friend of mine at the time and his older brother so he was the first kid that I knew that had. Uh, CD burning capabilities so he would ravage his older brother's CD collection for like Holler Music and Smaller on Bike and then like Modest Mouse and stuff so he'd burn me CDs and bring them to school and give them to me and I remember a number of occasions where I listened and was like I don't get this man <sighs> and then on third or fourth listen I was like holy shit and the Holler Music was a big one um, and yeah. playing of Sigham for Stars and bands like that and that's when I like Got into punk and the subculture and and started to really immerse myself in in that world. I
0: love I love all those 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 touch points that you're talking about because like obviously Smallbound Bike from your home state and then you know plays, yeah. plays mistaken for Stars obviously a Midwest band and like it's just cool that the stuff that you gravitated towards was the stuff that geographically made sense unintentionally I'm yeah. sure.
1: <laughs> no, I, absolutely it was, but it was always something that you find common ground and even if you don't understand it completely at the time, but like. I liked a lot of music that was about, uh, the cold and about drinking with, with friends. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, it was definitely, all those bands have a definite Midwestern tinge to to what they do. And smaller bike was, it was a huge one for me. Yeah. Um, and I think I did, I think I did find more in small Run Bike than I did perhaps other bands in a similar vein because I could not only, uh, compare my own experiences to theirs, but I could, you know, I could say, Oh, I'm from Michigan, you know? And and people from Michigan are uh in intensely proud of where they're from for one reason or another. Mostly I think because our shape, our state is shaped funny, but right, right, right. Um, it's the it's the mitten. Yeah, right? that's, that's yeah, it's a mitten. It's a mitten. It's it's so many different things. It's fine. There's, <laughs> I don't think that other than Texas, there's probably no state that has more like Stupid t shirt knockoffs. Like <laughs> everywhere you go, you, know, you see, like it's like a gun, or like a hand holding a gun, or like a bunny rabbit jumping over something. Or, uh, there's so many different things, and I feel like every two weeks there's somebody else printing gilton <laughs> t shirts with like a. A state of Michigan being something else. Right,
2: right.
1: Kind of ridiculous. America's High Five was the first one that I really remember. And it was a a friend of ours who actually put out a recreation (laughs) paper. He owns a couple bars and a venue in town. He's a really great guy. He started printing America's High Five shirts and then. They were everywhere, and they were also everywhere in my household because my oldest brother is one of his best friends. So that was, how, was his go-to birthday gift was just get a t-shirt from Jeff with the state of Michigan on it and give it to his sibling, which is pretty funny. So I think everyone in my family has a Michigan America's High Fire shirt, but I don't know that anyone's ever worn one. That's it, it, that's so amazing because
0: I—it's I, funny because you, you mentioning that it didn't really occur to me, but yeah, that's totally true as far as like the the whole state pride because obviously you have people that have pride about you know certain cities or whatever, but it's like yeah. the state as a whole. And it's like, Yeah, I, I I think you're correct. They you guys fall right behind Texas.
1: <laughs> it's it's totally true. And I have a lot of friends uh though like Go on, go to Michigan on tour, and then come back and be like, everyone has a tattoo. Like everyone has a Michigan tattoo. <laughs> like, yeah, I know a ton of people, and it's it's partly I really think it's partly because it's a tattooable state, right? And it's also because I think yeah, you know, like Michigan has very famously fallen on hard times, and I think people take a lot of pride in the character of the state, and the people's abilities to really pick themselves up. So it's not not purely a novelty act. But, right, right. Uh, it definitely comes into play.
0: Yeah, I know that. That's interesting. You you played sports and like, did you? Uh, I mean, what sports did you gravitate towards? Like in high school, did you actually play on teams and stuff like that?
1: Uh, I played I played soccer for a long, long time to high school. Mm-hmm. Um, when I kind of decided that I. Uh, was more interested in the arts and, and opted for for theater and whatever extracurricular activity I could take part in. But sure, um, I've I've loved I've loved sports since I was since I was a very a very little boy, mm-hmm. and uh, still to this day, hockey is hockey is the it takes up the bulk of my. Of my thought process, which my bandmates tease me about a lot, and my <laughs> girlfriend, so uh, everyone has to listen to me talk about ice hockey, which is, I guess, kind of silly because it's a children's game, and it's probably something also that comes into being from a, a border state, of from course. a cold state, right? Yeah. So, like, I definitely, you know, you grow up, you grow up skating in your backyard in the winter, and your friends play hockey and pond hockey, and, and it's, uh, it's it's like it's the, it's the punk of professional athletics. Right. I think in a lot of ways because it's the underdog and not a lot of people in the States actually pay attention as compared to, you know, the other three major sports. So there's definitely like the, oh, you like football? Well, I'm a hockey fan kind of thing that goes into it.
0: No, that's that's totally true. But yeah, no, I, I see everything you're talking about where it's like, well, it's it's the environment I was surrounded by and I totally identified right. with that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And so did you, uh, when you're doing, so you did theater, like you're actually, you know, participating in like plays or was it musicals or did you find yourself wanting to do one more than the other?
1: Uh, I did more plays than I did musicals in high school. I actually didn't do a musical until I was a junior in high school um, Mm -hmm. because I'm not a terribly confident singer, which is kind of funny to look back on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Given that, given I've occupied my time for the better part of the last decade and sort of singing in front of a group of people, but... Um, I started doing theater when I got to high school. Um, I think just because I wanted to like, I wanted to, I was falling in love with the arts and I wanted to immerse myself in whatever way that I could. And that was probably the thing that I loved the most about high school was performing and being in that in that weirdo community, yeah. the theater community. Um, but I did, I did plays and I did musicals and I, there's uh, a public like competitive public speaking called forensics. That's uh, oh, yeah. half dramatic and half public address. And I did, I did that all four years of high school. So I, I competed. I told children's stories for competition for four years in high school, which was
0: great. So, Interesting. So that but, was, I, I'm not familiar. So that, obviously it's not the debate team but it's you have a narrative and you uh are supposed to get it across as creatively as possible
1: yeah it's well there's there's it's it's the the blanket competition it's forensics uh not like csi forensics but there's (laughs) there's there's two there's two like overarching categories there's public address events and then there's dramatic interpretation events um there's subcategories like in public address some of them are rehearsed speeches memorized speeches and some of them are extemporaneous and impromptu speaking where you're like given a debate topic, and then you have five minutes to present an improvised three-part essay, essentially, on a topic. So that's super intense. But I did uh, dramatic interpretation. So there's like right. poetry, where you recite a poem or a collection of poems dramatically within a time frame with certain rules and regulations. I did all four years. I did storytelling, which alternates every year between like folk tales and legends and children's stories and it's memorized and it's five to eight minutes and the emphasis on characterization and creating distinct physical and vocal, uh, characteristics for people in the story. So it's a lot, it's super goofy and, but also, Super, super, super competitive. So it's funny, like, if you were an outsider to watch one of these competitions and be like, ah, oh, this is goofy, and you're telling a kid's story. Right. But it gets really, really cutthroat. It's like anything. And it's like it's like football. There's a lot of schools in the state of Michigan that take forensics very seriously. It's the cool thing to do rather than, like, be a cheerleader, be a football player. Right, so right, right. It, it got real. It wasn't just all fun and games. It was super well, anytime, intense. Although yeah. I was never very prepared like other people because i never am prepared for anything right. as evidenced by me missing your interview earlier
2: <laughs>
0: yeah no i it's funny because the, i the the anytime you introduce a competition into anything like i I mean my mom was a high school english teacher and she did this okay. she did this thing called kiwanis bowl which is basically just like trivia um so it's sure. like you know two one team versus another team and i remember going to a few events with her and being like you know, at the time I was like maybe nine or ten and being like, "Dude, this shit is real like people are p- people are pissed and they're ready to go at each other and it was oh, like yeah. and you totally. were just like, this is trivia, right? Like we're just talking about trivia, but it's like, no, it's you introduce that. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. if it's competitive and there's a sense of pride about it, it's gonna nope. be cut it's gonna be cutthroat."
1: <laughs> Oh, absolutely, so true.
0: <laughs> but the uh, is, is, what was your what was your favorite play that you uh, you did in in high school or or even junior
1: high? Oh my my senior year, we did sure. For, for our fall musical, we did Peter Pan. Oh, that's and awesome! It, it was a lot of fun. Like every role that I ever had was the the wacky bit character who spoke in a funny voice and had a fake mustache or a fat <laughs> suit. So. Um, my best friend, was, was who was a phenomenally talented actor, was Captain Hook, and I was Smee, who's our her man. So
2: yeah. I got
1: to have none of the pressure and all of the jokes. So it was a lot of fun. We also did some serious plays that were a lot of fun. We did Flowers for Algernon, and then it was a pretty interesting experience. And We did a Neil Simon play called Fools that's pretty hysterical. So that was a lot of fun. And another instance in which I got to be on stage goofball and then get reprimanded by our director for milking jokes for two
0: you <laughs> yeah be like hey the focal point isn't you we, we
1: yeah exactly well it's one of those things where you're performing you know four nights in a row and if you get a rise out of people the first night of a certain joke your your first reaction especially when you're like 17 is like oh man they laughed when i did it that hard wait till i do it tomorrow night
2: yeah you're and, like, dude, yeah. I, I can't doesn't
1: wait to... It, always, doesn't, it doesn't always work that way.
2: I could just
0: see you going home and just be like, dude, this is going to kill tomorrow night. I, I'm gonna. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. This is what I'm going to do.
1: There, no, there was one time and I still I had still, still, like, a couple of my friends that I'm still really close with Give me shit about it, but there was one in that, you know, Simon play Fools. I was the the villain and I was like this Russian guy and I threw a rock. I was trying to court this young lady and I like throw a rock to, to wake her up and somebody like cues the shattered glass sound effect. And then I turned and act like, like make a big oops face to the crowd. And the first night we did it, everyone laughed so hard. And then the next night we did it or the next week we did it. This was for, this was for competition. Also I did the same reaction and nobody laughed. But I was so determined to get that laugh. So I just held that pose for like a good four seconds, which is an eternity when you're performing a 45 minute one act play
2: right.
1: and, uh, and no, not a, Single person laughed. It was funny one night, and then it was just a complete disaster. And I still, I, whenever that play comes up, that's like the first story. <laughs> like remember, remember when you when you stared at the crowd for five seconds like a complete dumbass, and nobody laughed. Like yeah, thanks, I do.
2: Yeah, you're
0: like, yep, of course. That's forever implanted.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I still get to have that. Well, like almost every night on tour, when I make a really bad show. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I, I still get to fall flat on my face in front of a crowd of people.
0: Right. It's perfect. It's perfect. Be like, oh, this is going to kill. <laughs> nope. Nope. No one has any idea what I'm talking about. Or <laughs> or, or I mumbled that. Whoops.
1: <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And it's it's worse now because when I make that joke and nobody laughs, then everyone just gets to look at my four bandmates all shake their head while they tune their guitars or whatever.
2: Yeah. They're
0: like, oh, man, we should, we should leave Pretty much zero space for Jordan to speak in between songs.
1: Exactly. That's that's the conversation we have before every tour. Like, how can we eliminate all the speaking the speaking parts? Eliminate dude. all unnecessary Jordan banding, which like, had... I'm all for yeah, it yeah. I just feel like I have to fill the space. Yes. The that's when I that's when things get ugly.
0: I it, dude, I empathize with you completely because that that was I, I I sang in all the bands that I played in, yeah. and I, I filled yeah. I filled the same exact role, and it, it basically it got towards the End of us playing together, where our yeah. guitar, our, they they would just literally start a song in the middle of a sentence, <laughs> and it, and it was like I just had to laugh because I was like, okay, I get it, but then at the same yeah. time I was like, hey, that's
2: kind of rude too. <laughs> yeah, so I've had the same
1: experience. So there's always that first like it, right when it happens, I'm like, really, and then afterwards I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> Totally. Like, Like if I had a guitar and I was talking, I would do the same thing to myself.
0: Right. I can't have my feelings hurt. Um. (laughs) So, so the because I mean, you alluded to this earlier, but the you know the idea that you obviously didn't have the sort of like uh, you know musical I want to play in band aspirations. Like, so did you you know did or did you have the desire? But you're just like, well, literally, I can't play anything. So what am I going to do?
1: I think I always I always wanted to. From the time that I like fell in love with you know this subculture and like saw what the music could mean to me, I think I wanted that to a degree, but I never thought it was an attainable goal because I didn't have the ability to do it myself. Right. I never had the drive or ambition to to learn how to play an instrument. So I guess I was always kind of waiting for that opportunity to fall in my lap or hoping it would. And then uh, somehow, somehow I did. And 10 almost 10 years later and right uh, i'm I'm talking to you you know it's crazy it's it's never something i expected and it's like i said it wasn't something i thought was attainable it was always kind of in the back of my head as
2: as an
1: interest and then what i thought was a pipe dream and then you meet the right people and things just kind of start to fall that way and then all of a sudden all this time has elapsed and i've been to X number of countries and played for however many people and met all these bands that I idolized growing up and it's pretty it's pretty nuts if I like actually stop and think about it.
0: Right, right. So the, I guess the best way to describe it is like the desire was there, but you clearly had no resources to put that together.
2: <laughs> so, right, exactly. But,
0: but for all for all intent and purposes, Lotta Dispute is your first actual band. Like you never played a show. Yeah. That's that's stupid, dude. That makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta have a fucking shitty band But you just Well I had
1: like I played like one show I played one show With yeah. some friends and, Like years and years ago um, When I was like 15 And that somehow spiraled into this Because we played with I was like the only show I ever played And there was a joke band mm-hmm. And we played with my cousin's band And they I don't know, like, after that, it was just kind of like, he was like, yeah, we should kind of, like, we should, like, I don't know, going and have the driving song or whatever, and then we did that, and decided we tried writing a song, and then... Again, fast forward almost ten years, it's like holy yeah. shit, how did
2: that happened. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. So, totally. I mean, as all as all good things, in my opinion, it's you know, it's all it's a matter of timing and total happenstance, where it's just like, oh wow, yeah. this all kind of came together, and you know,
1: because right, totally. okay.
0: because because of it, it obviously feels organic, and people people are attracted to that not only that narrative, but that feeling. That's just you can't you cannot fake that feeling.
1: Agree completely. And it's it's funny how often uh, I'm sure I'm sure you've been asked in the past but people like, Hey, I wanna do this for a living. Do you have any advice? And like obviously you can say, um, you know, play as many shows as possible and make friends and, and network and, and see what happens and just be passionate about it. But really like so much of it is just the right place at the right time and the right people. It's it's really hard to predict and it's I think pretty special when it happens. Organically, and it's fun for me to like step back and consider all these different moments in time since we started playing music and how things have developed. It's it's pretty baffling. It's never not shocking to me, yeah. and never not incredibly humbling. But it's always it's, it's cool. It's super
0: cool. Right. Well, and I, I think it's I think it's interesting too because the way the way that you guys have obviously uh, cycled as a band, you've always you've always struck me as you you want to be a band and you want to be active on tour and you want to take those opportunities, but then you always come back to the, you know, the roots that obviously existed before, you know, this, before a lot of dispute was obviously as serious as it is now. So I I think, I think because of that, it gives you the perspective to be able to be like, Oh, like you could still be excited about it as opposed to, well, here, here we are. Here's another album cycle, another 700 shows these next two and a half years, you know?
1: Totally. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's a very good way of putting it.
0: Yeah. And so the uh, you yourself, when did you notice like, I mean, it could be, you know, it can be an individual moment or it can be, uh, you know, sort of a collective feeling. But, you know, when did you start to feel that what you guys were doing was resonating? As far as like, oh wow, whether it was like the you know your first tour where you had like five people in front of you singing along, or whether it was like a more grandiose moment of like, wow, this is weird that we're playing the yeah. show or whatever.
1: From the first time we ever played a show, we played at this little arts cooperative uh, in our hometown that is no longer uh, a thing, although it's trying to be a thing. They got kicked out by the the landlord pretty recently, um, but we played, and it was a lot of. A lot of friends, you know, it was, it was our first show when you're most of you are still in high school. Um, a lot of people showed up, and you know, I don't know that we ever at that point in time thought we were going to ever play another show again. And we just had people come up and be like, you know, they actually enjoyed that. And it was actually like a, I don't know, something going on. And, and from that moment, it's just been a series of those kind of moments where like every time we play a show, it's another a uh, small pleasant surprise where we're like, man, people, people gravitate towards this. I mean, it's never been something that we've played because of that. It's always, you know, we always, en- first and foremost, enjoyed creating something together and that's never left. But every time you play a show, you're reminded that you don't exist in a bubble and that there are... People who connect to what you do, um, whether it's on like a deeply personal emotional level or purely on an aesthetic level, purely sonic, you know. Um, so I don't know. It's it's every time I every time I stop and think about any moment of time since we've been playing, <laughs> it's that moment again. It's like, oh man, like yeah, this is weird. It's just it's crazy. It's crazy and humbling and really bizarre. But it's something that I'm never not. Incredibly thankful and, and grateful for
0: it. Yeah, the uh, along those same lines, the you know, like you were saying, obviously people emotionally connecting with what you're doing. You know, I mean, referencing a song that obviously is like you know part of your will 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 live will live on after the band has died. Like a song like King Park, that yeah. people you know, as you guys were crafting that song, because obviously being the singer, you're going to be the person that not only is going to be the most approachable. But sure. but well, obviously, is is the direct inspiration behind the lyrical content. Were you prepared at the sort of uh, interactions that you were going to get? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you weren't prepared, but the you know, just just that concept of like, OK, I put this out here. This is a very, you know, emotionally loaded song and people yeah. are people are going to respond to it. And you know, however they're going to respond to it, but then the unintentional feedback that you're going to get of people coming to you being like, either I'm looking for a solution or I'm looking for yeah. a shoulder to cry on, like, you know, how how's that had to like sit with you? Because I know that's a that's a it's a weight that no no one
1: considers because it's hard to consider. No, no, not at all. Yeah, it completely catches you off guard, and it's when I when I think about how off guard I am, still caught by that every time we go on tour i feel stupid because like of course truly you know bear the contents of her soul to be incredibly cliche or choose to approach a really dramatic and powerful story like the one that uh became king park um you do you do invite that connection um and it's yeah like it's never an intentional thing and it's never something that you expect um and I don't think it's ever something you get used to. And I talked to Kyle from Pianna's Become a Teeth at length about this because of the content of their last record and how how personal that is to him and how connected that is to his family and his experience and the amount of people that have undergone a similar incidents and want to talk to him like he has a solution. I think the important thing is understanding that people aren't looking for a solution. People are interested in commonality and people are appreciative that, You've put it into the public forum, I guess, or articulated it for them when they couldn't. I don't. I, I still don't know what to say. It's. I'm very, like I said earlier, like we've always made music because we love to make music together, and everything else is kind of extra. Um, but it's it's really inspiring and again humbling to see that as a, a positive force in a stranger's life, particularly when. They've been going through something difficult and found solace in something that I've said, or a chord that's been played to accompany what I've said, or whatever. It's a really, it's a really powerful thing, especially when I, you know, I had and still have those artists. For me, the music is so, has the capability to be so cathartic and, and therapeutic in a strange way. Um, And I think it is mostly in that it creates this support structure.
0: Yeah, Um, And I I also find it really interesting, too, because, you know, a lot of this is is, a lot of when you're creating art, a lot of it is a one way relationship. You know, you're you, you you yourself are consuming said piece of art. And then at that point you you place so many things upon the person who is creating it, and so I'm sure because basically yeah. basically I'm sure a lot of people who are you know either fans or not fans of your band look at you and are like, wow you're you're just a broken individual like you, you, right. you know you're you're this like emotionally frazzled uh you can barely keep it together person um when you know when in actuality, more often than not you're not. You know, yeah, right. and, and so those expectations, I, I'm sure it's weird when a person comes up to you and is like, is, is expecting one thing out of you and then, you know, you're
1: busting jokes on them and they're like, wait, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah, like, totally. no, it's an interesting, I, I think it's often discussed in regards to, to art in general, but it really, uh, provide a platform for discussions of, all aspects of human life, be them be them good or bad, or, or tragic or joyous or whatever else, um, and everybody has, everybody's comprised of all of those things. Um, but yeah, I do I do I do think it's it's interesting sometimes when people are like, hey, "I'm going through this," and I, like I want to know how you got through everything that you got through, because clearly there's a degree of emotional scarring that goes into the music that we've made. But there's two things to consider, you know. It's like, well, a no. I well, I think, I think it is, there's a certain level of poignancy in, you know, a, I'm not an emotional wreck constantly, but I am sometimes, you know, and it's an ongoing process. And I think that's always what I fall back on when I'm talking to people. It's like, you might, you might never be okay. I, I might not be all okay now, but it's not a, it's not, there's not, it's not one way or the other you know you're not just okay or, or really great you know it's yeah. everyone's i don't know it's interesting yeah <laughs> cool, really, i don't know what to say
0: as cliche as it is the best way to describe it in my opinion it's like you know it's it's the, it's the journey not the destination it's like if you're not totally. if if you're not involved in the process of whatever you are looking to get you' you're you're not getting the experience you're not getting anything meaningful from it so it's the same right, totally. yeah, it's the same interaction with art it's like you know you there, there's a million ways to get to that point it's like it's just about honestly expressing yourself and yeah that, sure. that's, yeah like you said that's the best advice that you can you can give to somebody
1: absolutely and then you know the older i get the more i realize that it's like you know, everyone you want. A, everyone wants a solution, and, and if you're going through a problem that is that is especially difficult for you, and that feels you know crippling, and that makes you you know feel like not waking up in the morning, um, sometimes the solution isn't an equal and opposite reaction. It's not like all of a sudden you're just great. It's, it's sometimes it's you know deciding to I don't know. You know, shovel the driveway.
2: Right. right. Or sometimes
1: it's sometimes it's you know making a cup of coffee or sometimes it's not. It's not always like everything's better now. It's like it's small victories all the time. Right. That's right. Steps life You know.
0: Yeah. Were you were you raised with any sort of like a, a religious perspective or anything from that nature?
1: Yeah, I was. I grew up in a, uh, a pretty religious community. West Michigan is. is um, heavily populated by the the Christian Reformed Protestant Church, mm-hmm. um, so I grew up. I grew up going to church. I grew up going to the Christian schools, and my parents are are religious. Not like, you know, I say that, and I always have to give the caveat that they're not. You know, crazy evangelical conservative Christians, which I think is always where people jump to. Like they're very well reasoned yeah. And they're, yeah, they're very well reasoned and intellectual in their beliefs, and they're also very compassionate, very caring, and always have been. And that's had a profound impact on me, even if I don't align myself with their religious beliefs now as an adult. I value the way I was brought up because, you know, it, this will be shocking for some people to hear, but it taught me tolerance and it taught me acceptance and it taught me to love everyone. And I think it's been. I think it's definitely had an impact on me. Even if I don't associate myself with religion now as an adult, I still am ha- I'm happy that I grew up in a good, smart religious community rather than a crazy really indoctrinated backwards
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it just, you know, and obviously not knowing that about you and just hearing the way that you talk, like you strike me as that because I have I have a similar upbringing. I mean, I I, I myself still to this day, like have, um, you know, for lack of a better term, I consider myself Christian, um, (laughs) more more so on the spiritual side than the religious side. But hearing people that aren't that have that immediate gut reaction of just like, oh, if you have any of that in your head, you're the worst like and it, yeah, totally. it and it's like no not at all you can right. ha- you can have these values that are instilled like that are inherently a very very good thing you don't have to be turned off from that and it's like yeah there right. you, you you definitely feel of especially within the independent music community you 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 really feel a sort of either or you're either you're either with it or oh, against, yeah, totally. you're either with it or against it and it's like well it, there's there's also a lot of gray area right <laughs>
1: Right, exactly. And it's so funny to me because it's like it's the one thing that you can't be, you know? Right. It's like it's <laughs> yeah, The alternative yeah. culture preaches acceptance on all levels. It's like, I don't care if you're, you know, a woman or, or a man or black, white or gay or straight or whatever, but then it's like, if you're Christian, then like, whoa.
2: Get
0: out.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's just so, it's so, it's so, I don't know, it's crazy to me and it makes zero sense. And I guess it's, but, no, that's a, that's the thing that is so shocking to me is I get where it comes from. I get that like right. Christianity publicized is Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell and like President George W. Bush and whatever else and this like conservative ideology that is so contrary to the actual thought behind it and the actual belief structure when practiced well and or, and well reasoned yeah and and it's like everyone everyone picks the furthest extreme of religion and then encourages you not to do so with everything else and that's what never never made sense to me. It's like why are we so like? quick to be like well not every it's the one thing it's the one thing where we accept the extreme backwards
0: yeah no no it's it's very true yeah that that, that was that was the main reason i asked is because just just hearing hearing your terminology and hearing your your approach to things i was like oh okay like i i yeah. I, I have a feeling there's something at the core of that which is awesome it's something else that strikes me uh interesting about your band as well um because uh, you know, because you guys—I mean, you guys have toured obviously, and you guys have made yourself—you know—aware <laughs> as far as like you know being mm-hmm. out being out there. There's there's this there's that weird feeling of like okay, like at any point, Law dispute could break up, and every single band member. No one would know. Well, yeah, for sure, no one <laughs> <laughs> no one would know. But then there's that feeling that you know each individual member would go on being creative in some capacity. Um. And it's like, it's yeah. just, it's interesting to have that sort of like that kinetic energy where it's like, what's happening with a lot of dispute Like, are they gone? Are they dead? What's happening? And <laughs> like, cause it's, I mean, it, it seems to me like that, that kind of has always existed without, you know, in, in the context of your band where it's been like, if you're not immediately in front of everybody's face, they're just like, oh, they like, man, they must be gone now. Like, have you, have mm-hmm. you noticed, have you noticed that being in, you know, input on you guys?
1: Yeah, totally. It, it, it's funny that, uh. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing where you, I mean, we've obviously not shied completely away from the public eye given the profession we've all chosen. Um, but I think there is a certain amount of distance we've always wanted to keep with uh, just to, I mean, there's so little, there's so much transparency everywhere nowadays. And it's nice to step back from that and to combat the whole like perceived celebrity when, when possible. But Um going back to what you said about like us always doing something. I think that it's like an interesting statement about all of us individually, but then how this band has kind of altered our perspective over time and kind of like ingrained this this need to be doing something in some capacity even when we're not actually doing something in some capacity, if that makes any sense whatsoever.
2: Yeah,
0: I I really I always like that perspective because you do, you know, you you can look at Whatever you can look at a million bands that exist within the context of independent music, and you can totally point yeah. you can totally point to um, most most of the members of any band and be like, if this were to go away tomorrow, they would they would be. I mean, screwed from like not only a short term, but like a long term perspective, where it's like do like their because their identity is com- is completely their identity and their yeah. profession is completely tied up into this thing. They've got no quote unquote extracurricular activities. Like, it, <laughs> and it's yeah,
1: I think that's that, that partly that perception comes from always putting yourself in the public eye. And, yeah. You, the more you the more you choose to associate yourself uh, in a greater community with one specific thing the more people less that about who you are and what you do and this isn't I mean this I don't I, I think we all I mean I know that we all love why and what, it, what it's been to us and what it will continue to be hopefully for the next while but it's definitely not the be all end all it's just another thing that we want to be our only legacy as individuals going forward. And, you know, you've got things that you want to do in other ways in which you want to be creative and other things that are important to you that don't even involve other people. Yeah. Outside of your own specific niche and your own family and friends.
0: It, it, it's funny because you, you guys, you know, <laughs> amongst some of your peers as well, it totally reminds me of, um, there's this, uh, this, that record label from here in California called Ebullition Records. They release like, you know, yeah. y- Yafet Koto and a bunch of other great bands, uh-huh. but the the bands that all aligned themselves with that sort of ebullition culture, y- you did feel like there was, you know, not only each band member had their own kind of individual voice and sort of like a, we were saying extracurricular activity, but then there was that deliberateness of like, we're playing together for a reason. And this yeah. is, this isn't just, this isn't, you know, because we're in a band, like this is, there's a reason behind this. And it's like. I think that uh, to me, that's the that's the trend that I want to see continue happening with an independent music. Because you know, yeah, for, for, a whi- for a while, for a while, I was definitely like, "Oh, we're playing in a band to play in a band." But now, like, there, if you feel like there's more of a, a tendency to be like, "No, this this kind of has to come out of us."
1: Yeah, totally, absolutely, and that's I think for us, it's a little bit product of the environment. Yeah. Um, the way that we grew up and the way that we learned to be creative and learned to be in a band was being a part of a a network of like-minded people in playing basements and being a part of like the DIY culture in the Midwest. And, um, there is like a weird, um, sometimes, uh, I don't know, overstated, but like, uh, a very prevalent desire to create and to, uh, exist within, um, a culture that values more than what you're given on the surface from every other so-called claim to purpose and all the direction that we're pushed in in our culture nowadays, technology and and you know the almighty dollar and everything. I don't know. It's just like you. you I don't. You learn. It's 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 almost it feels like a, a will to survive, a means to survive, and um, I think we still in a lot of ways feel that way when we make music together.
0: It's so hard to still harness that feeling when there's so much that comes in between that from, you know, business to, you know, finances. Right. And yeah, it's it's tough to keep that balance, which is awesome it's that you really,
1: it's really hard. It's really, really hard. Um, but it's not impossible. And I think it's far too easy to say it's really hard and then accept the easy route but there is a way that you can do it. And, and even like when we first started to exist outside of that very specific quick Midwest basement show, DIY culture, there was a lot of backlash from people that we knew, but um, we, I think we still uh, maintained control of what we did creatively and still do to this day. And I think that the more time passes, the more resources that bands have to really keep everything close to their chest and, and work with friends and, and make something function that way without too, relinquishing control too much to someone who has a external concern for their own well-being.
0: Yeah, for sure. The last thing I want to hit on before I let you go, um, was yeah. the, um, you know, cause obviously as, as every band ebbs and flows, um, each member kind of, you know, goes through their own like sort of highs and lows as far as like, oh, man, this is like the best part ever versus like, oh, my gosh, like I hate doing this. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I hate being in 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 a band for whatever capacity. Um, you know, what sort of aspect do you find yourself kind of hitting the, the lows, whether, it, whether it's like tour, whether it's recording, like, you know, what sort of. What what are the challenges that you notice kind of being themes throughout the uh, the time that you spent in the band?
1: It's an interesting time to be asked that question, given that we're in kind of a state of flux with uh, everyone living in different places now and then this like weird transitional phase from doing everything full time to having a home life. But that's really, I think, that's where the, the I mean, it's overstated, it's overplayed, I'm sure, to say it. But the, the difficult thing is always I don't know stress of the road and being apart. Mm-hmm. from the people you love and, and how that uh, complicates a healthy home life. So that's definitely, I mean, it, it, which is not to say we don't have a lot of fun on tour. That's still, you know, I still, I think we all still feel like we're getting in the van and driving to Bloomington, Illinois to play a basement show every time we get on, in the van to go on tour. Right. Um, Cause we're still uh, five friends who have a lot of fun goofing off together um, in between playing shows and being serious for an hour every day. Um but that's 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 the hard part. I mean, it's easy to, to write and to exist in that, that world and, and work towards a product, but then it's being in a different place every night and being away from the small comforts of the older you get, the more you value. So I, I think that's I don't know, but there's nothing that I don't there's nothing that I don't adore and cherish. There's nothing that I don't have a blast doing anymore, you know. And right. I hope that's never the case. Granted I don't see myself doing this when I'm like mcjagger age no yeah, yeah and i have no desire to but for the time being we're still young and we're still passionate about it and <laughs> still making it work still getting along which is right. i guess a miracle because most bands probably don't oh yeah no it's it's, it's not r- most bands but a lot of bands don't.
0: it's remarkable it's 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 very hard it's funny too because the when everybody's talking about the longevity of their band they always reference the rolling stones always like it's like nine (laughs) nine times out of ten you're just like all right who's the old rocker i can pull out of my head yeah yeah rolling stones
1: (laughs) yeah well i can't like i can't like i can't like say like like somebody who's playing like and casino which is the bulk (laughs) of the people that age yeah no it's
2: totally like
1: like yeah, like the Doobie Brothers, like I love the Doobie Brothers, but it really gets more impactful across the board if I reference, you know, somebody who plays a Super Bowl halftime show.
2: Right, right. <laughs> no, no, for sure, that's, for sure. That's
1: totally true. That's really funny. Yeah. I'm going to pay attention to that because it's not the first time that I've made that reference.
0: I know. we should. Yeah, we should think of a – I'm trying to think of who within independent music, like – I mean, you know, you could reference, like, uh, you know, Hot Water Music or something like that or uh, – uh, you know, right. you know, Ian Mackay, where it's like, okay, he's done, you know, he's obviously done well for himself over time to create his, his, uh, you know, yeah. n- niche of the world. So yeah, we'll, we'll think of a better one. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I'll go preliminary, uh, the studious. We'll go studios. Okay. Good. Yeah, that that yeah. exists. That's, that's proto subculture. Right?
0: Very true. Very true. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you hanging out and I'm glad we could get, uh, get heady on a lot of stuff. Cause I know you were, uh, you're yeah, a, heady, for sure, you, you're a heady guy and you could, uh, you could handle these conversations. <laughs>
1: This was a, this was a lot of fun. This is one of the most uh, most fun times I've had talking on the phone while I'm doing an interview. So, thanks oh, for Oh, it. oh, wow! Most most fun on the phone ever. I like. I don't really like talking on the phone, so this has been a good time. I'm not, I haven't grown <laughs> tired of the conversation. It was a very unconventional interview, which I appreciate because I'm sure you hear it all the time. But like oh, it's uh, yeah. pretty taxing talking about what my like festival necessities are. <laughs> like, hey, we get our band name.
0: I love I love the. I love the list. That's why I'm always so hesitant to be like, you know, name a moment. But then it's like, yeah. I, I, but then I reference, I'm like, okay, I'm not asking them for their top five, you know, uh, van, van No, picks. no. And, <laughs> it's, and it's all, it's all
1: in context too. Like if it right. was like, yeah, so, no, <laughs> this, this, this is great, man.
0: Yeah, no, no. I, I appreciate it. So there you go. There was Jordan, great guy just it was really interesting to hear him talk about acting and how much he enjoyed that and i was like oh i get that i get kind of why you do what you do on stage it makes me happy when i hear those nuggets of interest that people had in their, earlier in their lives that influence what they do now so great guy check out a lot of speed's new record rooms of the house really really good shout out to tom richfield the editor always does a good job actually not good amazing i wish i could kiss his hand every day because he does such a good job. And I don't know if people in the UK do that, but here in America we kiss people's hands. Actually not really, we don't even do that. But regardless, I just want to express my undying love for him and the help that he gives with the show. Visit propertyofzac.com, visit 100wordspodcast.com, and on the show next week is Joe marrow from the early November. How about diversity? I mean, one week you're going to get a hardcore band, the next week you're going to get an artist The next week, you're going to get a dude who runs an independent business. Like, just, I just get excited about sharing this stuff with you. So, until next week, be safe, everybody.